is so good to be here. I feel like I have been sitting in heavenly places tonight in this sanctuary. And they put this big old glass of water up here, so I guess they don't want one of those old dry sermons tonight. They make sure that they were not going to get one of those. Well, I want to thank you for the honor and the privilege of coming and sharing with you. It's always a joy to be able to share the Word of God um, wherever I go. Do you realize that we live in a fear-driven world? Fear is the primary motivator in all the advertising that you see on television, in the movies, in the stores that you go to. You know those pharmaceutical companies? They're tapping into your fear of sickness and death. The tourism councils that put all those ads out, they're tapping into your fear of missing out on the next great adventure. Cosmetics and clothing companies are tapping into our fear of growing old and looking old. News outlets use fear tactics to get us to click on their story when it pops up on your computer. Politicians use fear tactics to get you to vote for them because they try to convince you that the other guy's going to be worse than they are, so play it safe and vote for them. Every day we're bombarded by these tactics that play on our fears to get us to shrink back, to be fearful, to be motivated by that fear in everything that we do. And if we're not careful, church, before you know it, Fear will have seeped and creeped its way into our hearts and into our lives as Christians and into the church. And you may say, well, how can fear come into my life? And how can fear come into the church? Well, we're afraid that we won't be able to pay our bills. And so we don't give joyfully and we don't give liberally to God's kingdom. We're afraid of what our neighbors, our co-workers, and our families are going to think about us so we don't share our faith as vocally as we should sometimes. We're afraid that we're going to be rejected so we don't lovingly confront a brother and sister in Christ when we need to. You know, sometimes when somebody says something to you and it hurts your little feelings and instead of going to them and saying, I didn't understand, can you explain to me what you meant? You just let that sit on your heart and it festers and becomes a gaping wound and before you know it you're holding a grudge against somebody because you were too afraid to go and talk to them directly. We're afraid of diving deep into Bible studies and into uh, our relationship with Christ because sometimes when we're in a group setting we don't want to admit that maybe we don't know all the answers. And so we hold back on asking those questions and learning more than we uh, could possibly learn because we're afraid everybody's going to think, well, maybe I'm not as good a Christian as I am. We're afraid of failure. So you know when we're afraid of failure, we don't use our gifts in the church that God has gifted us with because we're afraid that maybe we won't do it as well. Maybe we won't be perfect at it when we stand up. And so we pull back. Maybe if you're a musician, maybe if you're a singer, maybe if you've been gifted to be a teacher or to serve as an administrator in the church, you don't do that because you're too afraid of failing. And when you don't 
serve, when you don't use those gifts that God has given you because of fear, you rob the church and you rob yourself of the blessings that God wants to work through you. Sometimes we're afraid to leave the comforts of our nice, predictable lives so we don't step out into the ministry opportunities that God's placing in our lives. We're too afraid to say yes, Lord, because He might send us uh, to Haiti. We're too afraid to say yes, Lord, because He might put you down into an evangelistic role and you walk into a camp meeting like this where you don't know anybody, but you walk in and say, here I am anyway, Lord. Sometimes we let that fear hold us back because we don't know what God's going to ask us to do and we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what people will think if they really get to know us. You know, we come to church and we have on our church face, we have on our church clothes, and when we walk through the door and people say, how are you? And you say, better than I deserve, and you keep walking because we're afraid to let people know what's happening in our lives and what's happening in our hearts. Instead of saying, I'm blessed better than I deserve, why don't you try when it's been a hard week, not being afraid, but telling the brother or sister who's standing in front of you, I have had a hard week, would you pray for me? We need to quit being afraid and letting fear run our lives and rule who we are. Much of what we feel and think and do is motivated by fear instead of a sure, restful faith in the presence and the power and the promises of the Lord. I want you to turn with me tonight to the first book, 1 Samuel, 17th chapter in the Old Testament. I was going to say the first book of Samuel, but that don't make any sense. First Samuel, the 17th chapter. Here in this uh, Old Testament book, beautiful story, story that you all know, but I want us to take a good look at it tonight. Here in the 17th chapter of First Samuel, there are two armies that are gathered for battle. And I want you in your mind to imagine that you are there. You are down in the valley and you are surrounded by these mountains on all sides of you. And as you're imagining yourself down in this valley, you look up, and on this side, on the mountain above you, is the Philistine army. And on this side, as you look up, is the army of the Lord, the Israelite army. And they're all arrayed for battle standing on either one of those mountains, looking across at each other. And as the Israelite army is over here, and the Philistine army is over here, the Israelites are looking across at those Philistines, and the greatest weapon that the Philistines have is not a catapult. It's not some super assault team that's over there. They don't have a cannon that's going to shoot across the valley and hit the Israelite army. The greatest weapon of the Philistines is fear. And fear has a name. And fear has a human form. And fear is named Goliath. Goliath stands, we think, 7 to 11 feet tall, depending on who you talk to. 
On his head, he had a helmet of bronze. When he stood up and the sun hit that helmet, it gleamed across that valley and into the mountain where the Israelites stood. He was clothed with a metal coat of armor that we think weighed about 78 pounds. He had greaves or plates of brass or bronze there on his legs to protect his legs. He had a javelin or a spear that hung on his back between his shoulders, and it's, um, the scripture says that it had a shaft, like a weaver's beam. And a weaver's beam would have been like a two-by-two, two, about 10 feet long. That, uh, to be 10 feet long would have gave him some balance because of that big spearhead that hung on the end of it that we think weighed about 15 pounds. And when Goliath would stand up, All of that, the sunlight would hit that armor and it would gleam and it would shine and the metal would clink and it would clank and all the Israelites knew when Goliath was going to stand. They knew when Goliath was on the move because they could see him and they could hear him and it struck fear in their hearts. Every day fear would come out and fear would stand on the mountain, and fear would shout across the valley at the Lord's people, the Israelites, and he would say, why are you here? And he would say, I challenge you, find a man in your ranks because you're so tiny, because you're so weak, because you are so incapable. Find a man in your ranks who will fight me every day for 40 days, Goliath would say, if he kills me, then the Philistines are going to be your servants. But if I kill him, the Israelites will be our servants. And then he would roar and he would say, today I defy the ranks of Israel. And he would say again, give me a man that we may fight together. Every day, fear would stand and would shout things across the valley at God's people. In verse 11, it tells us that Saul, who we know from previous scriptures, they said was handsome, and he was tall. He was the biggest man in Israel. He was also the king of Israel. When Saul would hear Goliath, did he challenge him back? When Goliath would come out and roar, would the army of Israel challenge him back? No, the king of Israel and the army of Israel, when they heard the words of Goliath, the scripture tells us that they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. So when Goliath stood up and he shouted his words of fear, it did exactly what he wanted it to do. It backed God's people up into a corner and left them cowering in fear. Every day when Goliath stood up, it appeared that he was bigger and he was stronger than all the Israelite army. You look up the word fear and you look up an, uh, an acronym for fear. Do you know what fear can stand for? False evidence appearing real. And when Goliath would stand up and he would roar and he would make his threats, he was, it was false. And he was trying to make himself appear real. But he was only one man. 
All King Saul and the Israelites could focus on was the giant that was in front of them. Yes, he was loud. Yes, he was obnoxious. Yes, he was physically overwhelming. Yes, he appeared unbeatable, but they were allowing fear to control them instead of faith. And I want you to hang on to that tonight. What is controlling you? Is fear controlling you or is faith controlling you? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You would think that Peter would have focused on the teeth of the lion. You would think that Peter would have focused on the claws of the lion. You would think that Peter would have focused on the muscles and the strength of the lion. But he focuses on the roar. Why the roar? Why the roar? When you hear the roar of the lion, what does it do? It brings fear. That sound, that deep bellowing sound that comes out of that lion is false evidence appearing to be real. Those lions are usually lone hunters. There's usually just one. And he uses that roar to bring fear. And when the fear comes, that fear causes confusion. Fear paralyzes the one that he's hunting, keeps them from moving. Sometimes it causes them to have a knee-jerk reaction and to run straight into his trap and get caught. Listen, the devil has a loud roar tonight. False evidence that's appearing real. The devil can produce that roar. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be confused. He wants you to be paralyzed. He wants you to be like a deer in the headlights and run in the wrong direction. Amen. We need to be aware of fear in our lives. And how the enemy will try to use fear to control us. King Saul and the entire Israelite army stood in fear for 40 days. As fear roared across the valley. Goliath never crossed the valley. Goliath never threw a spear at them, the scripture tells us. He just stood and he yelled. Every day... He stood and he called them names. Every day he stood and he made fun of them. And then in verse 12, we're introduced to David. David's the son of Jesse of the tribe of Ephraim from the city of Bethlehem in the country of Judah. Jesse has eight sons. At this point, Jesse is an old man and he can no longer go to battle But his three oldest sons are there. They're there on the mountain. They're hearing Goliath shouting across the valley. But at home was his baby boy, David. He was left to take care of his father's sheep when his older brothers went away. And the elderly Jesse was worried about his sons who were at war. And he sent David, the baby, to the front lines to find out 
what had happened to his brothers. He sent food with them. He sent bread. He sent cheese for the commanders so he could get in good to find out what was going on. And he gave him instructions. He said, see how your brothers are doing. Bring something back to let me know that they are alive. You see, fear was controlling Jesse too in this story because he hadn't heard anything. He was thinking the worst and he needed to know if his sons were alive. And so he sent his baby out to find out to do what he couldn't do in the middle of his fear. And so David left his sheep in the care of a keeper. He gathered up those food items and he headed off to the front lines And when he got there, he saw them all suited up. He saw them all arrayed for battle and combat. And without any fear, he dropped everything that he had. He left it with the supplies keeper and he ran to the army and he found his brothers. And as he found his brothers, the scripture tells us that suddenly Goliath appeared across the valley and David heard his threats. David heard his taunts. David saw the king. He saw the Israelites. He saw his brothers run from Goliath in fear. And in verse 26, David, who's a curious cat, he asked, he said uh, to the soldiers who were near him, he said, so what does the person get that kills this Philistine and brings glory to Israel? (laughs) And they said, well... We've been told, riches, the king's daughter, you don't even have to pay taxes. And then David said, more importantly, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? No fear at all. David's older brother was angry that David was there. You know why he was angry? Because he was fearful. Everyone's fearful in the story. He was angry because he was fearful that David was going to go back home and tell his dad what chickens they had all been. He saw it. He was going to go back and tell dad. He was fearful that his little brother, who apparently was a hothead, was going to run out there and embarrass the whole family and get killed by this giant. Word was sent to King Saul about David and about the questions that he was asking. And so Saul summoned David. And David, who has no fear, went before the king and he said to the king, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He hadn't been there 10 minutes and he was chomping at the bit. He was ready to go. He had no fear of what stood in front of him. But King Saul had fear in his heart. King Saul said, you're a boy. He's a man of war. He's been fighting his whole life. You are no match for him. But David courageously responded in verse 34 through 37. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, and out of the paw of the bear... 
He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Amen. That's the God we serve today. Amen. In the face of such bravery, Saul said, go and the Lord go with you. You notice Saul didn't say, go and we'll go with you. (laughs) He said, go and the Lord go with you. Saul didn't have faith in David and he didn't have faith in the Lord. You know why? Because he tried to give David his armor. Armor that wasn't made for David. Armor that David had never fought in. Armor that would have been a hindrance to David. And David said, no thank you. In verse 40, David took what he knew. He took what had worked for him before. He took what he trusted. I want you to know tonight, saints, you need to use what you have where you are. You don't need to worry when the enemy comes at you. You don't need to fear when the enemy comes at you. You take what you have and you let the Lord provide what you need when you're in the middle of that battle. Because when David walked out there to meet that giant, he had with him his staff. He had his wooden walking stick that he used every day and every night tending those sheep. He had the sling in his hand that he used day after day and probably sat out there in the loneliness in the desert and target practiced all night long to keep himself awake. And as he was walking, the scripture says that he walked down and he bent down and he picked up five smooth stones out of the creek bed as he went across that valley. And he did not wait for Goliath to come to him. He went to Goliath. Goliath took one look at David and he was completely insulted seeing the staff that he had in his hand. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And then he cursed David and he threatened and tried to frighten David off. But David said in verses 45 through 47, David said to the Philistine, he said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But listen to this. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and take your head from you and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth shall know there is a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord, who is this assembly? Well, that's the Israelites who've been a chicken for 40 days. All this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Brothers and sisters, you need to remember today that the battle is the Lord's. No matter how big the enemy is, no matter how scary the situation is, we have to walk by faith and not by fear because the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver the enemy into our hand every single time. So in verse 48... Goliath rose up, and as David was running toward him, Goliath started clump, clump, clumping toward David. David didn't hesitate. 
He didn't cower. In fact, he hurried and he ran all by himself toward the whole Philistine army and toward Goliath without any fear. And as he ran toward Goliath, he put his hand into his pouch and he pulled out one smooth stone and he loaded that slingshot and he swung it around his head and he let go of that stone and it struck Goliath perfectly between the eyes and it sunk into his forehead and Goliath went down to his knees and then he fell face forward and that day fell, uh, fear died right there in front of David as he slung that stone, as he ran without fear toward the enemy, fear fell. Fear falls at our feet when we run toward it. Fear falls at our feet when we stand on the Word of God. Fear falls at our feet when we claim the name of Jesus. Church, we are in a spiritual battle tonight with the giants of this world, and there is no time for fear. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle, our fight, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There are giants out there of drugs and alcohol, pornography, racism, violence, atheism, gender dysphoria, this whole LGBTQ alphabet, humanism, moral relativism, this rewriting, reinterpreting, redefining the Word of God, this liberal theology that is trying to take over in our churches. There are giants that are out there that are pressing in on us, that are trying to squeeze us, that are trying to keep us quiet. These giants are standing up and they are making fun of the church today. These giants are standing up and they are calling God's people names. They are trying to put fear into our hearts so we will be quiet. So we'll stay inside of our little church buildings, inside of our little walls, and not come out and mess with them. And all the while, we are losing our children. All the while, we are losing our grandchildren. All the while, we are losing our churches. And we are losing our communities because we are afraid of the giants that are out there. I'm asking you tonight... Are you walking by faith or are you walking by fear? Faith stands up and says, who are these giants? Faith stands up and says, not on my watch. Faith stands up and says, not in my family. Not my children. Not my grandchildren. Not my church. Not my community. Not my husband. Not my wife. Faith stands up and faces the giants and says, you come at me with protests and parades and slanders and laws and political maneuverings and names and labels and all kinds of ugliness. And yes, those giants may be loud and yes, they may be obnoxious, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus tonight, we need to face those giants. We need to run toward those giants. We need to defeat those giants. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You need to face those giants. You need to run toward those giants. You need to defeat those giants with the Word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. You need to face those giants. You need to run toward those giants. You need to defeat those giants. The enemy wants you to think that you are weak, that you are insignificant, and that you are unable to make a difference. But I want you to remember tonight, I want to stir up your pure mind of remembrance that you are a child of the Most High God. You are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we need to walk by faith and not by fear. I say this a lot, but I'm going to say it here too. I get tired of hearing people say that the devil is second in power. He is not. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are preeminent in power. But when we are born again, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're given power over sin, over self, over Satan. The Scripture says greater is who? Greater is He, the Holy Spirit, who lives within you than he that is in the world. You see, Satan is third in power. He is behind the Trinity. But he's also behind the body of Christ, the church, the born again, the redeemed, the sanctified, those who are filled with the Spirit of God. And tonight you have the power to stomp on the devil. You have the power to put him under your feet, to grind him in, and to defeat him. And you need to realize that. You need to claim that. That's your right. That's your your heritage. You are stronger than the giant. They're stronger than the devil. And I, even when I write Satan or I write devil in my notes, he's always lowercase because he's not even deserving of an uppercase letter in my notes. That's how little he is. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit within us gives us power over all that the enemy tries to do. The Holy Spirit releases the power of God in us, through us, and into this world. And you can stand against the giants of the world. You can unleash the power of God and not back down in fear, and you can watch these giants fall. Listen, there's too much at stake, church. We need to put on the full armor of God. We're in a battle for the souls of our families. We're in a battle for the eternal destiny of those in our churches. We're in a battle for the integrity of the Word of God that needs to be passed on to the next generation. And we need to walk by faith and not by fear. We have absolutely nothing to fear from the giants of this world. Why? Because the Word of God tells me that God is always with us and God will never leave us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing or no one can pluck you out of the hand of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
And in Isaiah 41.10, as I wrap this thing up and as they come to lead us in a song of response, Isaiah 41.10 says, and this is God, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. And so the question you have to answer tonight is, are you walking by faith or are you walking by fear? What are the giants in your life that need to be defeated tonight? What are the giants that's in the life of your family that need to be defeated tonight. A year ago, my husband and I faced a giant in our family. We didn't know how to handle it. We didn't know what to do with it. All we knew is that we needed to take it to the Lord in prayer. And we've been praying for a year. Every day, crying out to the Lord. Every day saying, God, I can't fix this, but we know that you can. And somehow, God, we're trusting you to take care of this giant in our family's life. And I want you to know that Thursday morning of last week at 4.30 in the morning, we saw that giant fall in our kitchen. Our God is greater. Our God is bigger. And our God sees, and He knows, and He understands. But He needs you to believe. He needs you to cry out to Him. He needs you to be faithful. Yeah. You know what the giant is tonight. I don't know what your giant is. But you know. It's time to bring Him to the altar. It's time to defeat that giant. It's time to quit the, let the giants quit calling you names, taunting you, pulling at your family, destroying the fabric of your churches. It's time to defeat those giants tonight. Amen. And so I want to ask you to stand. Tonight, Slay those giants. But it's got to start with you wanting those giants slayed. It's got to start with you laying them at the feet of Jesus. And he's given you this opportunity tonight. God bless you for having an altar. God bless you for having a place where those giants can be slain. Heavenly Father, tonight in this place, Lord, you know the needs that are here. You know the battles that are being fought in the lives of every person who sits in this room. But God, I know one thing is sure. You are here. Your spirit is here. Your power is strong in this place. And God, there's not a giant one that can win in this place tonight. Your people have the power to be victorious tonight through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you give your people courage to step forward. 
And if there are giants in people's lives, Lord, that need to be defeated, God, would you just help them to step out right now? Come down to these altars and begin to cry out to you for deliverance. Begin to cry out to you for power. Begin to cry out to you to bring those giants down. Oh, Father, have your way here in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.